Hello. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Yeah. Today is a pretty crazy day. Today is fucking crazy, <laughs> but we really love you guys, so we're going to record. Yeah. Uh, just to make everyone aware, time-wise, Christmas is in two days. So we, re- we pre-record, yeah. so Christmas will have passed when you hear this episode, but... It's crazy, and we're still recording for you. It's a tad, it's a tad crazy. Yeah, but we love doing it, and it's actually kind of like a break from everything else. So yeah, we're excited about it. It's a relaxing morning. Yeah, this part. So today's coffee that we're reviewing is a local coffee shop, actually located in Stillwater, New Jersey, and it's called Cars Coffee. Yeah, we can't wait to talk about this one because not only is it local mm-hmm. and adorable yeah i actually went to high school with a couple of the people who own it run it Mm -hmm. are part of it which is so cool yeah i didn't personally know like i wasn't friends with them but i know who they are so i thought it was super cool that we're reviewing their coffee yeah (laughs) i'm excited about it they sent us a couple things that they wanted us to go over um, as far as just their background story because we didn't, you know, obviously know too much about their background. So they sent us um, a couple things they wanted us to talk about. You want to start? Sure. So first they want to talk, they called it the About Us. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read verbatim what he had sent. He said, my older brother and I, Nicholas and Paul Montella, Grew up in Stillwater, graduating from Kittatinny, shout out Kittatinny, (laughs) in 2006 and 2009, respectively. After moving away post-high school, we finally migrated back to the area in 2020 and decided to start a coffee roasting business. We loved where we grew up and and were excited about being able to give back to the community that had given so much to us throughout our childhood, which is why we ultimately decided to headquarter in our hometown of Stillwater, New Jersey. The goal of our business is to support other local businesses in the area, give back to the community, and employ sustainable business practices that promote the well-being of our employees, customers, and the environment. We want to do business better, better for the community, better for our employees, and better for the environment, which I think is beautiful. That's so cool. Yeah, and that was such, like, a nice way of wording it. Exactly. We typically find the about us on their on coffee pages website, but I love that he curated something like a little background for us to talk about. Yeah. I feel like it's more personal. And emailed it to us. It yeah. was very personal. Exactly. So then they go into about cars itself. So cars was actually an existing coffee roaster that was founded in 2015 or so. In 2019, though, they had to close down, which is where my brother and I came into the picture. We had noticed that the property, 904 County Route 521 in Stillwater, was for sale back in November of 2019. Making a long story short, after a few conversations with the founder of Cars, we decided to purchase the property and keep Cars Coffee brand alive. As you might have seen on our website, Cars aims to provide our friends and neighbors with the highest quality coffee beans at reasonable price. We serve working class communities like our own hometown of Stillwater, New Jersey, and reward our customers for the hard work they do every day. How sweet. That's so nice. I love that they took over something that was already existing, but didn't rebrand. Right. They're just like building upon it. Right. I think that's so cool. So nice. So now I'm going to talk about Campania Coffee Roasters, and I hope I did justice in how I just said that. (laughs) (laughs) I think you did good. Okay. 
My brother and I are actually introducing our own coffee roasting brand in January 2021 called Campania Coffee Roasters. A nod to our Italian heritage and also the area we grew up in, the countryside. Campania means countryside in Italian. Fun fact. That's so cute. I didn't know that. That's cute. (laughs) With that in mind, Campania Coffee Roasters will actually be the overarching company or overarching coffee company with cars being a brand within it. As we introduce our coffee roasting company, we're looking to make both Campania and cars environmentally sustainable, sourcing 100% compostable single-use materials. Oh, I love that. Me too. Stay tuned. There's definitely more to come on this. Happy to send more samples once we have our 100% compostable bags ready. What? And let's also mention, they're saying happy to send more samples. They, they sent us Six! six. They send us six And not samples. samples. These are, like, pretty decent-sized bags of coffee. Yeah. Like, which is so above and beyond. Like, everybody I feel like we've reached out to. It's just amazing. I know. And, I mean, it's all it's good for them, too, because we get to have them on our show six different times now. <laughs> but also, that was just so generous. It and was. Over over the top generous. It was. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, it's just amazing. Yeah. So here are some final thoughts that they sent us as well. We purchased the property in April of 2020, which again is 904 County Route 521. People can come by our coffee barn, a coffee barn, to purchase a wide variety of whole bean and ground coffee, all freshly roasted on site. We're also aiming to open up our storefront in December, where people will be able to come by and purchase single cup coffee, espresso, etc., food to come eventually. We're here Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day. Your listeners can also find us on the shelves at Dale's Market in Blairstown and Branchville. Love Dale's. The Garris General Store in Stillwater. Garris, sorry, Garris General Store in Stillwater. And Sage's Books in Blairstown. Awesome. So they're actually shelved at a lot of local places as well, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And I love that they have their stuff in a bookstore. I know. How cute is that? Coffee and books, the best combo. How cute. Love it. Yeah. Thank you, Paul, for sending us that. We really appreciate that. Because sometimes we feel like we want to talk more about the places, but, you know, we go off the abouts on their website. Right. We get what we can from what we have, so. Yeah. So we really appreciate you sending us that. That was super personalized, and we're so excited to be talking about your company five more times. (laughs) (laughs) We might not read that whole description every time, but we will give in-depth reviews. Right. And we'll refer back to this episode. Right. So everyone can hear that if they haven't already. Yeah. So today's blend that we're trying is Tanzania Peaberry. It is so... I'm obsessed. (laughs) I feel like... For more reasons than one. I know. I feel like it just keeps getting better. Like, these coffees keep getting freaking better. I know. They're so good. It's so bad because I... I listened back to an episode the other day because obviously, like, I listened through to make sure that it loaded correctly. Yeah. And I was like... I feel like there are so many episodes where I'm like, this is my new favorite coffee. But it's <laughs> and like. I'm not talking out of my ass. It's like every single time. I know. I'm like, it's wow, this is so different good. and good. And you can have like, you know, hundreds of favorite coffees. But I feel like. Right. But I don't want everyone to think I'm like no. bullshitting them. Like I actually no. love the coffee we're getting. I feel like we would say if it's not our type of coffee. We did. We did. <laughs> we have in the past. Yeah, we have. Okay. But this one's really good. 
So I can actually read a little bit about the backstory of this type of coffee bean, which I thought was really cool that it's like, it's yeah. a little bit different than, you know. Yeah, because we actually had to look up peaberry because we're like, wait, what is peaberry? Is that an actual fruit? What is it? And we looked up more in depth about what peaberry is itself and mm-hmm. it makes an excellent coffee. Yeah, so here's an example of what, why we say that. So, pea berries are considered by some to be the superior in quality and taste from regular flat beans. The reason for this is twofold. A single bean contains all of the flavor intensity of two normal coffee beans, and the round shape of the beans results in an even roast of the beans. How many times can I say beans? I don't know, but I have a tickle in my throat, so I'm about to cough. <laughs> no, I'm not sick. <laughs> Hold on, sorry. You don't have a corona? <laughs> Oh my gosh, so unprofessional, okay. (laughs) And I now know, that was the moment I was infected by COVID. While the first assumption has little basis in the fact, it is true that the round shape of the beans does aid in the roasting process. The perceived high quality of the peaberry coffee is most likely a result of the sorting process, which is more rigorous than that of used to sort the flat beans. And then it basically says that the flavor that comes along with these peaberries are a little bit different than normal coffee. It says that, um, let's see here, it can, it is known for its intense brightness and high acidity. Convert, oh, I'm sorry, wait, yeah. Conversely, the coffee is medium-bodied and best enjoyed at a medium roast. Along with rich chocolate flavor, this pea berry also hints of dark fruits like black currant and soft, sweet finish. Yeah, so they actually have this as a medium roast with Mm -hmm. the bag they sent us, which is perfect. Yeah. And I think the coffee itself is very rich. Yeah. It does taste almost chocolatey. Yeah, it does. The the undertone of it is a little bit chocolatey. I don't Mm -hmm. taste any of the fruit side of it at all, but I definitely taste the like a chocolate side to it. Right. And it said that it's also good to pair this with like citrusy fruits. Um, for example, you could pair it with like pineapple or any kind of citrus fruits and that kind of helps bring out the notes in the coffee. Yeah, I think because it picks up on things, this coffee would also be really good with a creamer because it would Mm -hmm. probably fully take on that flavor. Yeah. Like it lets the flavors in. Exactly. I think this is like, I say this every fucking episode. (laughs) What? (laughs) This is one of my favorites. (laughs) I know. I'm not a phony. No, it's delicious. Like, this is very good coffee. And didn't we read earlier that it's actually, when it's made into a coffee, less a less acidic coffee? Yeah, that's why I'm a little confused about that website I just read it from. (laughs) Because everything else, it said that this coffee was less acidic than normal coffee. Maybe it's the beans are acidic and when they're cooked or roasted that... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But everywhere else that we read this morning, it said that this was a less acidic coffee than normal. So if the acidity of the coffee is something that really bothers you, this could be a good option. my hand. (laughs) I love coffee, but I have the worst stomach. (laughs) So yeah, anybody like Bryn, drink this coffee. Yeah, I really, really like it. Me too. Um, More about the coffee itself. Something I noticed too is... No bitterness whatsoever. Yeah, none at all. It does have a little bit of sweetness to it. Mm -hmm. And let me just take another sip. Hold on. Gulp. (laughs) I'm almost done. (laughs) Me too. Um, 
it's like full full body yeah like it it holds let me try to figure out how to wear this it holds the taste from the beginning to the end it does it's not like watery at all yeah and it's not like when you take a sip of coffee and you only taste it like after when you're like going like "Eh." yeah but the whole time when you sip it and then after you sip it you could taste it yeah if that makes sense i really like this one i do too like I think I'm going to go to Cars and get another package. And it's in a get barn, this. too. How cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Just Super another good. note. Um, we are currently drinking the coffee out of these amazing mugs. Yes. That my sister had made for us. And it was so cute. Shout she out wrapped, Elise. Shout out Elise. She wrapped them and it said to, like, Kelsey, to Bryn, from your number one fan. We were, like, crying. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> And they say on one side, crime cults and coffee with, like, our logo. Love it. And then the other side says, watch your ums and likes. I love it. <laughs> it's I was, so funny. Honestly, like, even now, I'm smiling so hard. I'm I like, know. this is amazing. And it's like, she's like, see, I listen to your episodes. I'm like, I know you do. But Thank you so much, Elise. Yeah, we, we really love, love them. it. We're going to drink out of these from now on. <laughs> yeah. We love them so much. Yeah. And I'm going to turn it towards me so I'm watching the watch your arms and legs. And we're going to post a picture of them too so you can see how cute they are. Yeah. She did a really adorable. good job. They're adorable. So I think that's pretty much it with the coffee review for today. Yep. Cars, we love you and we can't wait to review you five more times. Woohoo! <laughs> and is that it? Do we yeah. have anything else to add? I don't think so. Okay. Grab your coffee and have a morning with us. So today we are covering the case or story of Elisa Lamb. So to start out today, we're going to give a little bit of background about her before we get into what actually happened with Elisa. Right. She was also known, <clears throat> sorry, she was also known by her Cantonese name, Lam Ho Yi, and she was the daughter of David and Yina Lam, who were immigrants from Hong Kong. Elisa was born April 30th, 1991, and she was a 21-year-old Canadian college student at the time of this story, Mm -hmm. and she actually had attended the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, but I had read that as of 2012, she wasn't taking classes anymore. She was kind of on, like, a break, like a little hiatus. She wasn't technically a student anymore. Yeah, yeah. Right. And she was originally from Vancouver in British Columbia, Canada. She was five foot four inches tall, and her family supposedly kept her history of mental illness a secret. I think that probably had a lot to do a lot to do with their culture. Yeah. Um, she was very open about it, but her family kept it more on the down low. Right. She actually really, really enjoyed blogging. She had a couple different blogging sites, and her blog posts included fashion, lifestyle, quotes, and then she also talked about her struggle with mental illness. So she was very, very open with that on her blogging. Which I think is so admirable for somebody to be so open about that kind of stuff. Right. For other people to relate. Right. Especially now, like, now I feel like people are more getting more comfortable with being open about mental illness, and there's a lot more people advocating about it. But in 2013, 2012, when she was, like, doing her blogging and stuff, mm-hmm. it wasn't... I feel like the ball was starting to get rolling, but it wasn't Not as, much as much as now. Yeah. yeah. 
I can actually read. I have a little bit of her blog post that I screenshotted here. Her blog po- her blog was called Ether Fields, and this one is called Expecto Patronum, which I guess girl was- after my own heart. Harry Potter. I love fan. Harry Potter. <laughs> she loved Harry Potter, obviously. Yeah. So this the first line says depression sucks. I have no control over my emotions. I will be angry for two minutes and then sad again. I will be happy for half an hour and then emotional again. So far, all I've done is lay in my bed and watch episodes of Chopped, which I love that you watched Chopped. <laughs> I'm just waiting for it to pass. I felt I haven't felt fine in over three years. This relapse makes me feel as though I have I haven't made any progress at all. And that's just a little quote. That's just a little section of her entire blog post for that day. Yeah, and we're going to kind of dive in later on with what exactly she suffered from and the medications and stuff that she was on for it, correct? Right, yes. So I'm going to jump into the timeline of the the case. So on January 26, 2013, she was on a trip touring California by herself. At some point during the trip, she visited the San Diego Zoo She posted photos that she had taken there, actually, on her social media. She then traveled by Amtrak train from San Diego Diego and arrived in Los Angeles. She was headed to Santa Cruz. This trip was meant to be an escape from her studies. So, yeah, she kind of took this as, like, a break from everything that was going on at school. She kind of just decided that she needed this time off um, for a little while. And Elisa's little parents, mental health break too, which is yeah. very important, especially for someone dealing with mental illness. Right, and I'm happy she realized that she needed that and decided to go and do it. Mm-hmm. So Elisa's parents, who again are named David and Yina Lam, were really not happy about her traveling by herself because remember she was only 21, but they agreed to let her go if she had checked in every day of the trip, just to kind of give them a heads up of like where she was, that she made it to from one point to the next. Mm-hmm. So they kind of let that go. I think that that's also really admirable and shows that maybe not, like, even if she didn't know it, she did have that inner strength because traveling somewhere you don't know all by yourself, that's very gutsy. Right, right. She went from where, Canada to California. Yeah, and you have a mental illness, but you're willing to, like, travel and set sail somewhere you don't know on Find yourself, Yeah. So, January 28th, which is two days later, um, Elisa checked into the Hotel Cecil in the Los Angeles area near downtown Skid Row. January 31st, the day that Elisa was supposed to check out of the hotel and travel to Santa Cruz, she did not check in with her parents that day. Um, Her parents started to get really worried, and they eventually called the LAPD at some point, they flew to Los Angeles to actually help with her search because... So they're obviously, like, super concerned. Right. So the police searched the entire hotel, and I will say that... <clears throat> sorry. I will say that they were not obviously able to search the rooms because people were, you know, staying Same. there, and they didn't have, like, the warrant to do so. So they searched all areas of the hotel that they could search, um, which included Elisa's room... Um, the main areas of the hotel and the rooftop with canines, but they couldn't get a scent of her anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm going to point something out later on, too, about the canines. Remind me, because I don't want to do it now, because it might yeah. ruin yeah, what's the story, happen. but yeah, just remind me. Right, so that was on January 31st, and then we're going to jump forward to January or February 15th. 
This is the day that the Los Angeles Police Department decided to release the video of the last sighting of Elisa Lamb. Props to them, though, because I have to say with other cases, releasing audio or video footage sometimes so takes a while on. because yeah. they want to keep it close to the chest. Right. Like, I am glad they released this right away. Yeah. Because... I, I am, too. I feel like that kind of stuff needs to be seen right away. Yeah, I agree. So, the video was recorded, actually, in the Hotel Cecil's elevators, and it was a surveillance camera that recorded it, and it was dated for February 1st. So, they released it about two weeks after they had seen uh, the video was recorded. Mm-hmm. So, the video was a little grainy, and there was a timestamp at the bottom, but it was obscured. It was really hard to see kind of what it said. And at some points, Elise's um, mouth is actually pixelated. Which is very strange. Yeah. I think that's really weird. We're going to get into that, too, but I think, too, that the fact that the timestamp was obscured, don't you think a hotel would have better security footage with a timestamp in 2013? Yeah, we'll get into that more because I have some more to say about that. Yeah. So the camera had a view of the inside of the elevator as well as the view of the door looking to the outside of the elevator. So it was, like, kind of in the back corner. Elisa entered in a red zippered hoodie sweatshirt over a gray t-shirt with black shorts and sandals on. She enters from the left and goes to the control panel of the elevator. She looks like she presses multiple floor buttons and then steps back to the corner, but for some reason the door of the elevator doesn't close. She then steps out of the elevator, looks both ways, and then quickly like hops back inside. So weird. Right. She then backs up to the wall near the control panel, and the door stays open again. Like, almost like she's, like, hiding against the wall. Right. Like, she's trying to be inconspicuous at that point. Yeah. She then looks outside both ways a couple more times. So, this is, again, her going in and out of the elevator, checking down both sides of the halls, and then Mm -hmm. jumping back into the elevator. She then goes back into the elevator, presses more buttons on the control panel... She puts both hands over her ears and stands against the wall. At this point, the door of the elevator is still open. She turns to her right and begins rubbing her forearms together, and then she waves her hands out to her side with her palms flat and her fingers outstretched while slightly her while her body is slightly rocking. And we're going to show you, well, we're going to post this video for everyone to watch, whoever is interested in watching it. It, it is, is just disturbing. Chilling. It is chilling. It's very disturbing. And, I mean, nothing's happening. It's not like she's, it's not like someone is getting attacked in the video no. or something like that. But it's still so It's very chilling. chilling. Yeah. And I think part of me at first, when I saw the video and then read this... I was like, oh, maybe she was looking in and out, kind of like, uh, why isn't, why aren't the doors closing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is someone mm. coming in? Or, oh. But then, once you continue watching it, you're like, this is just very is not strange. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. not right. Yeah. So then she eventually, after the hand gestures, walks out of the elevator door and goes to the left, and it finally, the door finally closes at some point because she doesn't go back inside the elevator. Mm-hmm. At one point during the video, she could be seen in the hallway speaking as if, as if she's talking to somebody that's off the camera while her arms are waving and her hands are making odd movements. <sighs> it's 
terrifying. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> the video was released and went viral with 3 million views and 40,000 comments in the first 10 days. So obviously everyone's having the same reaction, like, like what, what the, the hell, hell is, going on? is this? Yeah. yeah. So then we're going to jump to February 19th, which was how many days? Four, four days. Four days after. after the video footage was released. Hotel guests were complaining about low water pressure and a weird taste coming from the tap water, which honestly makes me want to fucking throw up in my mouth right now, especially at a hotel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some stated that the water was black colored. I had also read that some said it was a little reddish, like mm-hmm. almost like rusty colored, I'm I guess. Throw up. And it was also described as dark and smelly. Let me pause for a second while I, like, swallow. (laughs) I can't. Uh, I can't. Just imagine that being, like, the case. In a hotel. And then what's going to happen. Maintenance worker Santiago Lopez, or Santiago, sorry, Lopez, discovered Elisa Lam's body floating in one of the hotel water tanks. So this is what happened after people started complaining he was and, like, I gotta go check out those tanks. Yeah, he went and checked it out, which we'll get into a little more detail about further down. He decided to look into one of these tanks and saw her body floating. Yeah. The tank was 1,000 gallons and provided water to the guest rooms, the kitchen, and a coffee shop. I cannot grasp this part of me because I'm like how many people fucking drank this this water water, yeah had their coffee made which maybe their coffee like covered the taste a bit I'm laughing because it's so horrible like it's disgusting and what a sin for that poor girl I know like people were literally drinking water that she was floating in that is just it's horrible like that's like I don't even know. I don't even know. I can't... Part of me can't even think about it because I'm like, I need to black, block this out of I'm my... I'm bringing water bottles everywhere. Yeah, because think about it, too. It was going to the kitchen. That means food, food was also was being, being prepared and cooked in this water. Yeah. You weren't just drinking it. People were brushing their teeth with it in the room. Yeah. People were showering in it. Yeah. I can't... Like, uh, same thing. Like, I'm laughing because it's so disturbing, I don't know how else to... Process? Yeah. It's just... Oh, my God. It it makes me sick. So, Elisa's body was removed from the tank once it was drained. The tank was drained completely and actually had to be cut open on one side because the maintenance hatch in the tank was too small for the equipment needed to remove her body. Yeah. So, they had to saw this thing open, drain it, and then remove her body, which is also awful. Yeah. Her body was found naked, and her clothes were floating in the water near her. Her clothes were actually coated with a sand-like particulate, like, sand-like particles. Which is just really odd, too, because where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, I don't understand that at all. And if it was sand-like, like, it doesn't mean she was at the beach and then, you know. Yeah, 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 it was. Like, like, sandy. What was it? Yeah, I don't know. That's I wish really they weird. got more into detail with that, because I found that I'm sure they very tested odd. it, but I don't know. Maybe nothing came out of but it. But I mean, in, like, in the article, I found that very odd. I wish they had detailed more with what yeah, like it actually what it was. was. Yeah. yeah. And her room key and watch were also found floating in the water in the tank. 
But her cell phone was never found. Yeah. Which I also... I find that very strange because who would be in a place by themselves in another country alone without their cell phone? And clearly something was going on before she had passed away that was disturbing to her in some way. And why why wouldn't you have your cell phone with you? Yeah, and let's say you forgot it in your room. They would have found it in her room after she died. Yeah. It doesn't... I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, CNN reported that Los Angeles robbery homicide detectives originally treated the case as a suspicious death. So, they they weren't considering it foul play. They weren't considering it murder. But they were like, this is really fucking suspicious. Yeah. And the water tank was actually covered and the door to the roof was locked, which made it even more suspicious. They're like, how did she even get up here and get in this thing? Right. So, before she died, we're going to get into some details about this. Um, The last person to see her was Katie Orphan. She owned a nearby bookstore called The Last Bookstore, which is also kind of strange because it's the the last place she was seen and it's the last bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Katie said that she saw Elisa buying books and music for her family in Vancouver. So, obviously, she had plans to return home. Right. And a quote from Katie said, quote, it seemed like she had plans to return. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like, Like why would, (laughs) yeah, why would you, if some of the theories that we're going to talk about later, like, why would any of those be the case if she was planning on going back to her family? Right. Yeah. So clearly suicide was ruled out. At this point, yeah. Yeah. And I forgot to mention earlier on in her background, I didn't write this down, but I had read Mm -hmm. that she had never had any history of suicidal thoughts, suicidal, like nothing like that. So Mm -hmm. that was completely ruled out from the get-go pretty much. Yeah. So Katie also said, quote, she was very outgoing, or she was outgoing, very lively, very friendly. She was talking about what book she was getting and whether or not what she was getting would be too heavy for her to carry around as she traveled. So, clearly, she was planning on moving on after this location. Right. Hotel manager Amy Price says that during Lamb's stay at the Cecil Hotel, she was originally booked to stay in a hostel-style shared room with others on the hotel's fifth floor. So, at first, she was with a group Other of people. people and it for Probably people. to save costs. Yeah, and... yeah. It's definitely a lot cheaper. And maybe she wanted the experience of meeting other people. She was alone, you know. Right. So... For anyone who doesn't know what a hostel is, I'm sure most of our listeners do. Yeah. But it's basically, yeah, just a shared room with a bunch of people you don't know. Yeah. And these roommates complained of, quote, odd behavior, which then forced Elisa to move to a private room after two days. Wow. Yeah. And then I'll move on to her autopsy results. So this took four months to finish which I think is also a pretty long time. It's There was clearly a lot to analyze. Yeah. And maybe because things were so strange, Yeah, they were taking that time to cover every little detail, or they were even more confused than the rest of us, and were like, wait, this what doesn't make... Yeah, this doesn't yeah. make sense. There was no evidence of physical trauma, so um, the talk... Toxicology reports said that there was no alcohol or illegal substances in her body either, which a lot of people, when they first saw the video, were like, oh, maybe she was on something. Yeah. Yeah. But that was ruled out. 
However, there was a number of medical drugs found in her body that were likely to treat her bipolar disorder. So, as we mentioned, we're going to get into more about her bipolar disorder, but that's what she struggled with. Right. This was pretty vague, so some people took it upon themselves to decipher. A Reddit thread was posted after Elisa's autopsy result was was revealed. This person was interested in medicine and deciphered it. Yeah. So, he or she concluded, and like we said, it's a Reddit post. Yeah. So, take it as you will. Right. He or she concluded she took at least one antidepressant that day. She took her second antidepressant and mood stabilizer recently, but not that day. And she had not taken her antipsychotic medication recently. Right. So, the reason that, and this person cited a lot of different, like, medically, you know, acceptable sources, but the reason that this person decided that, you know, these are the conclusions um, are due to the medication versus the medication's metabolites in Elisa's body, which were also then compared to her prescribed medication list. So, basically, for example, venlafaxine, or Fexor, is one of the antidepressants that was found in her body, located in her, the blood of her heart and her liver enzymes, which indicated that she took that the day that she died. Which so, like, that's said. how they're figuring that out. Right. And then, whereas Wellbutrin, which was the other antidepressant, its metabolites were found in her blood of her heart and her liver enzymes. But because only its metabolites were found, this suggests that she had took the medication recently, but not that day. So it's basically comparing the actual drug versus the drug's metabolites. Like the breakdown of the drug. Right, exactly. So Seroquel and its metabolites were not detected in the blood of her heart, suggesting that she did not take that medication recently, mm-hmm. and so on. I feel like I could go on about all the different medications, but that's probably only interesting to me, so. <laughs> no, I find it interesting too, but yeah. take note, Kelsey's reading all the the drug names and shit because I'm like... <laughs> beforehand I was like can you can you, can you read all these names and Kelsey's like I was gonna ask you, if you wanted me to. <laughs> yeah so the reddit thread went on and on and suggested that she was not taking her medications as prescribed to treat her bipolar disorder and on the reddit thread there was um that was mentioned above the autopsy report was linked but it was actually removed but I found it if you just type in autopsy um of Elisa Lamb a pdf file will come up is it a detailed autopsy report? Yeah, I think it's like 25, 30 pages. Okay, yeah. so it's the whole report. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering that because I saw bits and pieces of it and I'm like, did they release the whole thing to the public? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's full because okay. they went over everything. Okay. So on her prescribed medications list, this was also included on the autopsy report. These are the medications that she was prescribed for her um, bipolar disorder and depression dextroamphetamine, which is a stimulant, lamotrigine or lamictal, which is an anticonvulsant and a mood stabilizer, Seroquel, which is an antipsychotic, venlafaxine or Fexor, which is an antidepressant, and Wellbutrin, which is an atypical antidepressant. And then she also had some over-the-counter medications like Advil and uh, Sinutab, which is basically just Sudafed. Mm. So, the following illegal substances were then checked and revealed to, as not detected in her body. And those were cocaine, MDMA, marijuana, barbiturates, opiates, and amphetamines. Which, 
since the amphetamines came up negative, this mm-hmm. basically means that she had not taken her prescribed amphetamine, which was her stimulant drug. Mm-hmm. Although the report did not test for quote-unquote date rape drugs, such as like roofies, that's commonly known as roofies, it was unlikely that they would be present because as most of these drugs, like roofies, are given via alcohol to people. Yeah. Um, it is possible that she could have been roofied through, like, water or just any non-alcoholic drink. But the hotel staff said that they saw her alone the entire time. So there was really no one with her that could have done something like that. I have a little bit of a theory on that that I'll say later. Because, I don't know, I feel like that should have still been tested anyway. Like, why not rule everything out? I agree. And, I I don't know. It's just such, like, an odd case and an odd situation... And even if you can't just take someone's word for it, I mean, right. by now, all anyone who knows true crime knows you cannot just take anyone's word for it. Right. No matter if you've known that person for ten years or two days, you don't that, really know someone all the time. Right. And even I think that they still should have checked, but like the effect that roofies would have had on her isn't like it doesn't like match up with what was said. That is true. So yeah, she probably she would know. have been more so unconscious than then like peeking in and out of the elevator strange, and acting weird. Right. Yeah. Right. So the autopsy showed no evidence of foul play and her cause of death was actually ruled accidental, an accidental drowning. Hmm. Yeah. How she died and the details leading up to to her death remain a mystery to this day. Which is really upsetting for, I'm sure, her, her family. Especially if it, if they have a detailed autopsy report of 20-something pages. Right. They That's went, a lot of information. How like, They checked everything. <laughs> the fact that it's still a mystery yeah. is just very strange. Right. So the medical explanation behind her behaviors and everything that was going on with her leading up to her death. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the theories, uh, but I'll kind of go over this. So... When some of the antidepressants that Elisa was prescribed are not taken in conjunction with her antipsychotic and mood-stabilizing medications, this increases the risk of a manic episode in somebody that is diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So she was taking her antidepressants, but she was not taking her mood-stabilizers and antipsychotics. So this can actually, like, jumpstart a manic episode Mm -hmm. for somebody that... Especially Wellbutrin. My... My comment towards this, just because I'm playing devil's yeah, advocate, yeah. what happens if she was taking her medication the way she was supposed to, but mm-hmm. that day she so happened to not take it yet? What if she took, mm-hmm. like, what if her, with her schedule, she was like, oh, I'm doing this today, I'm going to do this, this, this. What yeah. if I take it at, like, 6 o'clock tonight instead just of like a different time. 4 o'clock this morning? Yeah, and then something happened in between, and mm-hmm. she never took it because she hadn't taken it yet. Yeah. The, uh, the only thing is would, that there would probably still be metabolites of those I was going to say, would the previous yeah. day's medication still, or, be. still be in her system? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It takes... I'm not exactly sure of the half-life of these medications, and, like, that just basically means how long it takes to, for the body to clear. Okay. But... I'm pretty sure that if within a couple of days, it would have been still in her body if she had taken it recently. Okay. Yeah, and then another thought I had was, what if she hadn't been taking these medications for a while? What if she weaned herself off of some of them or thought she didn't need some of them anymore? Mm -hmm. Would those symptoms present themselves right away? Or let's say 
it was even agreed upon before she left her trip trip with her yeah. parents, like, oh, I don't take these anymore. Mm-hmm. I only take these. Would those present themselves right away, or would that take time where all of a sudden on this trip, something clicked and she, yeah. like, started acting different? So that has to do, again, with the half-lives, which basically means how long it takes for your body to clear the medication. Okay. And I, I honestly don't know the half-lives of, like, the antipsychotics, like, the in mm-hmm. the anti, in the mood stabilizers, like, Lamictal and Seroquel. But if anyone knows, let me know. (laughs) So it could have taken time for um, it to completely gone out of her system. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, because I was wondering that. Like, what if, yeah, she was prescribed these medications, but what if she actually hadn't been taking them for, like, two months or something? Right. And then all of a sudden... Something happened. Something happened. Or what if that wasn't the case at all and nothing happened? She just hadn't been taking them anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's definitely possible and something else could have been associated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the amanic episode, this is just a definition to kind of... So you can compare and contrast from what a manic episode is to what Elisa was exhibiting. Uh, And here's a direct quote from the American uh, AAFP. It's a a, a medical website. It's a distinct period of abnormally and persistently elevated, expansive, or irritable mood lasting at least one week or for any duration if hospitalization is necessary. So basically, Mm -hmm. in Elisa's case, if she was having a manic episode... She should have been taken to the hospital at that point, but she passed away. Right. So uh, another quote is, During the period of mood disturbance, three or more of the following have persisted and have been present to a significant degree. Inflated self-esteem or grandiosity, decreased need for sleep, more talkative than usual or pressure to keep talking, Mm -hmm. flight of ideas of subjective experience that thoughts are racing, distractibility, Increase in goal-directed activity or psychomotor agitation. Excessive involvement in pleasurable activities that have high potential for painful consequences. So an example of those are like buying sprees or going out and having, you know, um, a, lot of, a lot of sexual indiscretions mm-hmm. or having um, a huge business investment. It's kind of just like spur-of-the-moment decisions. Right, very impulsive. And- yeah. Almost in an, in an over-the-top but uncontrolled way. Like, yeah. oh, this is a good idea right now. And then it. all of a sudden you're out like $500 because of it. Right. So Elisa actually exhibits signs of psychomotor agitation in her video mm-hmm. with the hand gestures at the end. That's like classic. Yeah. Um, she also exhibits distractibility in the video where she's, you know, pressing buttons, checking outside, coming back in, checking outside. Unfortunately, since no one else saw her recently, they cannot confirm that she was exhibiting any of these other symptoms of mania before she died. My question with this whole thing, Mm -hmm. and even, like, in her, in the trial that we're going to talk about later with certain things, lawyers brought up the odd behavior odd behavior that the roommates had seen. They didn't interview the roommates. What the fuck was that odd behavior? Was she doing these types of things in front of them? Was she, like, talking a mile a minute and couldn't, like, was she exhibiting any of these signs? What were those odd behaviors? That's what I want to know. And I read somewhere that the reason they may have not included them in court or interviewed them in public and released it to public is they did it secretly. The police did it, and they found nothing that was contributable to the case 
but wouldn't it help answer questions? Right, exactly. That's like, what I thought that from oh, the second I heard Oh, she did this, this, and this. Oh, she was having a manic episode. Or no, oh, the odd behavior was she came running into the room saying that someone was, she felt like someone was following her or right. watching her, and the roommates got weirded out, weirded out by it. And they were like, she's got to go. Yeah, and then either, yeah, she's having hallucinations or delusions or mm-hmm. whatever, or someone really is fucking following her. Like, right. what were these odd behaviors? And, like, my parallel to the manic episode for her as well is she could have very well been like, I'm going to go for a swim. I need to find somewhere to go swimming. And for some reason, somehow, she got on top of the roof and was like, I think this is good. Like, I'll just jump in here and I can get right back out. And it's like that split decision. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't get back out. But we'll get into that later. Yeah. I just want to know what those behaviors were. I know. I feel like, and I looked it up trying to find anything, and I couldn't find anything from any of the people that... Because they're saying no one had seen her recently, and hotel staff was saying she was by herself and stuff. Right. So wouldn't the people who are saying she showed odd behavior to the point where they wanted her out of their hostel room... Mm Mm-hmm. Wouldn't they go into detail what that was? Like, what she was doing? You would think so. And then the bookstore lady who saw her last said she was acting normal and talking normal and acting excited and... Yeah, friendly. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to now get into some other theories that have just been kind of thrown around with what people think possibly could have happened. Right. Some people suggested from the video that she was running from someone that was chasing her. Very possible. Yeah, so this would bring in murder or foul play then, even though the autopsy didn't suggest that there was foul play involved. Right. Some people also say that she was having a psychotic episode, which is also possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some people say the video was tampered with before being made public. So we mentioned earlier that the timestamp was obscured, which is just very strange. Yeah. And kind of correlates with that thought. Yeah. Which I kind of agree with. I... It's just It's definitely possible. Yeah. I mean, either they had really shitty cameras or... It was a very old hotel, but, like, you should be able to see the timestamp of everything. It doesn't mean you need to have a camera system from, like, the 1940s or whatever. They also claim that a minute was removed from the video. So I read somewhere that, and this is very possible, but that the reason that a minute was missing was somebody else at some point had come into the camera and they ruled them out as a suspect and to protect their privacy, they removed them. But if they didn't do anything wrong, why who the would, fuck cares if you're on video? And like, why couldn't they just have blurred their face out or something? I don't know. Yeah. That's one of the theories, but I thought that was kind of bullshit. And if she's looking in and out of the elevator, like there's someone there, mm-hmm. why would you cut that to make it even look like, make it look even more strange with right. the situation. Why not just show sta- someone standing there that she's looking in and out of the elevator And at? even to get the person's reaction, like, what the fuck is she doing? Right. Or like, like, um, you're acting really strange and have, like, right. show them walk away. Or them also be frightened, like, somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. Right. I don't know. Or show that she's frightened of them. Yeah. It's just, it's weird. And that would also make sense with, it, one of the things that's argued is her mouth is pixelated, mm-hmm. so you can't really see what she's saying, mm-hmm. 
that's kind of hiding what she's saying. Right. Was it hidden on purpose? Was it because the video was just grainy? Was it paranormal? (laughs) Right. Was it paranormal? Was there some kind of conspiracy behind this? And if the video was altered, someone did that on purpose so you can't see what she's saying? Yeah. I mean, if she was talking... a lot of questions. Yeah, and if she was talking to someone, it would make more sense if there was a person standing there. If you don't look at our Facebook stuff for any other episode, look at it for this episode and watch this video because you're going to be so confused, same as as we are, Yeah, and why would you make it even more confusing by cutting a person out and make it look like she's talking to no one? Yeah, I agree. If that's the case. So they also claim that parts of the video have been slowed down. To, like, make it look more strange or, like... I mean, the only reason I could see someone doing that would be to cover something that or to make it so that person wasn't shown for a reason right like it doesn't make sense to me if they cut that to because someone was ruled out and they don't want that person on camera it makes sense that someone cut that because they were involved in a shady way and didn't want to be seen on camera yeah i don't know just very odd Otherwise, you're making it look like she's either going crazy, which maybe she was. Yeah. Or that there's, yeah, like something paranormal. Which is very possible. (laughs) (laughs) Very weird. So, the hotel is haunted, according to stories. So, one of the other theories is that because the hotel is haunted, it somehow affected her, whether it be through possession, she was possessed possessed by a dark entity, right. or supernatural influences being around, or is the hotel just cursed in general and this be- happened because of a curse? Like, weird things, right? Yeah. Rumors also persist that she died as a result of playing, quote, the elevator game, which is a paranormal urban legend that claims to take the player to another dimension. I heard about this, and I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was so confused. It's just strange. I think yeah. that can be ruled out. <laughs> So, David and Yanis, um, which, were, which was her parents, mm-hmm. ended up suing the hotel. They filed a wrongful death suit against the Cecil Hotel months after their daughter's death. Their attorney stated that the hotel had a duty to, quote, inspect and seek out hazards in the hotel that presented unreasonable risk of danger to Lamb and other hotel guests, which... I, I feel like they were yeah. grasping at straws, too, though. I feel like they had nothing else to hold on to, which I would probably sue them as well. Yeah. I mean, I could kind of see both sides of it. Like, that kind... Those shouldn't be accessible to guests. But especially were. if someone's drunk or whatever but yet they were very hard to get to they really so they really weren't accessible (laughs) right so the hotel's attorney filed a motion to dismiss this by arguing that the hotel had no reason to think someone would be able to get into what one of the water tanks which yeah you can't yeah in the not easily anyway right in the hotel's defense santiago lopez which we who we brought up earlier he Mm -hmm. was the maintenance man that discovered her body said in order to find her body, he had to take the elevator to the 15th floor, turn off the hotel rooftop alarm. So there was an alarm system on the hotel roof, and I heard that it, when the alarm went off, it also notified the front desk. And and the top two floors. Yeah, so 
this alarm system, people would have noticed if it went off. It wouldn't be like, oh, someone just didn't hear it. And only the hotel staff knows how to disable the alarm. Yeah. They're the only ones who have keys to the roof and know the code to disable the alarm. Right. He then had a, would have to walk up a staircase to the roof, climb up onto the platform where the water tanks were, climb up a ladder to get to the top of the main tank, and then be able to access the water tank. Yeah. Which is a lot of steps, especially for someone, I feel like, who, one, didn't know their way around the hotel, mm-hmm. didn't have the code or a key. She's been there for a couple of days. Yeah, two days. Yeah. Didn't have a code or a key, and if she was having uh, some kind of break... Yeah. ...to have the thought process to do all those things mm-hmm. without anyone noticing. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. So, another quote from Lopez... Quote, I noticed the hatch to the main water tank was open and looked inside and saw an Asian woman lying face up in the water, approximately 12 inches from the top of the tank. So, this kind of confused me because many articles that I read suggest that the door was closed or covered. And some of them that I read also said it didn't, it wasn't like a spring hatch, so it Mm. couldn't just stay open. Yeah, it didn't have, I forget what it's called, not a spring, but retractable like yeah automatic. like it couldn't it wouldn't have just stayed, stayed open. open it would have had to been closed yeah i don't know that's really weird and why do all these articles say it was closed or covered and this man is saying it's open and he's the one who found the body i don't know that was just off a weird me. discrepancy yeah. yeah and because the door was closed or covered, many articles question how she could have closed it behind her. If you're jumping into a water tank, yeah. how you don't have, like, a 12-foot arm to reach up and pull this door <laughs> Yeah, closed behind closed. you. I have a feeling that it was left to open because she jumped in and nobody noticed it until he went up there. I don't know why the other article said that it was closed, though. That's a weird. lot of the articles said I know. it was closed I or saw covered. That too. I don't know. So, he then suggested, and I'm not, I'm, I want to just say, I'm not throwing... Yeah, I know. Mr. Sir, Mr. Lopez, I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm not saying you did anything. I'm just saying the discrepancy is <laughs> weird and maybe it should be looked into a little bit more. <laughs> the end. All right. So, he suggested that it would have been hard for her to get to the top of the tank on her own, at least without anyone noticing. Yeah. Which, Yeah. And the openings to the water tanks are 10 feet, 3 meters, up and require a ladder to reach, but there were none around the night that Elisa Lamb ended up inside. There were no ladders around for her to get into this tank. I don't understand. So how did she jump up 10 feet? I will say, just going back to the medical side of things, I feel like people that are on a manic episode... Like I said, they have this self-sense of, like, they're inflated and they have grandiose thoughts, grandiose thoughts. They feel like they can literally do anything. Mm -hmm. So, maybe she scaled the thing. I don't know. I think it's a stretch, but I will just say that. Or maybe there was a ladder or she found a ladder and then by the time they found the body... It was gone. It was gone. Someone had moved it, so they thought there wasn't a ladder. Right, exactly. I don't know. But... Maybe according, maybe that night no one had, maybe the ladder wasn't there and she somehow found it. Right. I don't know. 
So the hotel's chief engineer, Pedro Tovar, said that it would have been difficult to access the roof as only hotel employees were able to deactivate the alarm, as we mentioned. Right. And if the alarm was triggered, it would reach the front desk and the top two floors of the hotel, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. The L.A. Superior Court Judge Howard Hom ruled the death of Lam as unforeseeable because it happened in an area where guests were not allowed to access. Yeah. So he's basically like... Sorry. Yeah, yeah, there was there was no way for guests to get up here. Yeah. And we did do our best to kind of prevent... Right. and the hotel and, shouldn't be at fault for it. Yeah. So the lawsuit against the hotel was dismissed because of all this, which... which makes sense. I see both sides of it. Yeah. I agree. So some further case updates. This is an update from a Daily Mail article in November of 2019 told of new details that were released. So one of the details are after she had been found, a police dog found a trace of her scent at a window leading onto a fire escape. And once outside, the dog lost the scent. So the roof would have been accessible from the fire escape. Right. And that's one of the other ways that she could have gotten onto the roof was the fire escape. But like I said... Without the alarm going off. Right. And like we said, she would have had to have known exactly where this fire escape was and like how to... That's the thing though. She didn't know this hotel. It's not like a hotel that's in her hometown that she's been to time and time again. But the dog did pick up the scent by a window that led to the fire escape. But once it was outside on the fire escape, the dog lost her scent. Another thing I wanted to mention about the dog was... Mm -hmm. It picked up her scent there, and like you had said, the when they first started searching for her, yeah. the dog did go on the roof, but it didn't pick up any scent at all, and that's because, not saying this dog wasn't amazing, because it was. This is why mm-hmm. I want to defend this dog. A little helper dog. Yeah. They hadn't brought it by the water tanks. Oh. So it wouldn't have picked up on her scent Too by far the away. by the water tanks. Yeah, they just had it going around and probably I guess, by the edges for suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Or just to see if she was up there hiding somewhere or something like that. Right. I mean that's why But the doggy did his job. Yeah, it did do its job. <laughs> so Some other tragedies that happened in the Cecil Hotel. This is a long list. (laughs) Dude, this is insane. Yeah. After I read about her case and I was like, wait a minute, the Cecil Hotel, that sounds familiar. And then I was like, Mm -hmm. holy shit, all these things (laughs) happened. Yeah. It's It's crazy. One of the most haunted hotels in America, I think. Right. It's actually supposedly the most haunted hotel in Los Angeles. And it opened in 1927, so it's old as shit. And we're going to put this all in chronological order for you people, okay? (laughs) So this is the case of Elisa Lam, but it's also the Cecil Hotel. Because I feel like you need to know the background of the hotel that she died in. Yeah, to take in some of possible theories. Right. So since it opened, there has been 16 different non-natural deaths that were unexplained paranormal and unexplained paranormal events so 16 deaths and unexplained paranormal events the paranormal events make sense to me mm-hmm. because people dying there. The, so many people dying there and in so many horrific ways yeah that stuff lingers that energy lingers exactly. so it makes complete sense to me so the most known death revolving around the hotel other than elisa lambs was the murder of in 1947 of actress Elizabeth Short, and she was also known as the Black Dahlia. Which, 
we are definitely covering her case at yes. some point, so you will hear about the Cecil Hotel again. Rain check on Black Dahlia. Yes. <laughs> so she was reportedly seen at the Cecil's bar in days before her murder of J- in January of 1947. This information remains heavily disputed. Yeah. So she didn't die in the hotel? Yeah. Well, who knows? She could have been murdered in the hotel because people... Some stories think her body was moved. Yeah. But she was, as most people know, found elsewhere. Right. But she was seen in the hotel. Yeah. Recently before her murder. Right. So in 1964, Goldie Osgood, um, quote unquote, the pigeon lady of Pershing Square, was raped and murdered in her room at the hotel and the case was never solved. So sad. She was actually found by one of the hotel workers. She was stabbed and beaten, and her room was ransacked. Mm. Which is horrible. That's so and sad. it's never been solved for her. There was also three confirmed suicides that happened in the hotel. Others were not confirmed, but were potential suicides. At least 16 non-natural deaths resulting from suicide, accident, or murder at the Cecil. So crazy. So three were confirmed suicides. Yeah. Yeah. In November of uh, November 19th of 1931, Manhattan Beach resident W.K. Norton, who was 46, was found dead in his room from ingesting poison capsules. A week prior, he had checked into the the Cecil Hotel under the name of James Willies from Chicago. Which I'm going to point out right now before I forget to say it. Mm-hmm. There are multiple... I noticed a pattern with some of these. There are multiple cases where people died in this hotel and were checked in under a different name. Ooh, really? Which is strange as fuck to me because how often do people... Is that like a common people, thing back then? Though, I don't know, or? but how often do people do that, number one? Yeah. And number two, how do that many people get murdered or die in mysterious ways or commit suicide in this hotel under, under those names? Right. That's just strange to me. And then I also noticed a pattern of a lot of military personnel dying in the hotel. Which is really freaking weird. Yeah. I don't know. It was just very strange. So, September 1932, Benjamin Dodditch, 25, he was found by a maid and died from self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, and there was no suicide note. So, I don't know if this is one of the ones that was confirmed or not. Right. Late July 1934, former Army (laughs) military... Sorry. Former <laughs> Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis D. Borden, he was 53, he was found dead in his room and he had slashed his throat with a razor, which is absolutely awful. Oh. And Borden left several notes, one of which cited poor health as the reason for his suicide. So he had left suicide He left a suicide notes. note. Yeah. Or did someone write them for him? I don't know. Maybe yeah. this was one of the ones that was confirmed, but it's right. just very sad either way. March 1937, Grace E. Magro fell from a ninth-story window. Her fall was broken by telephone mm. wires, which were wrapped around her body. Mm. So freaking sad. So she didn't die? No. She later died at the now-demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Ooh. And police were unable to determine whether her death was the result of an accident or a suicide. Like, she might have just fallen out of the window. Which is horrible. Or she was pushed. Or she was pushed, yeah. And then she didn't... Oh, my God. She didn't even die, die right, right away. Oh, So sad. Ugh. 
So January 1938, the United States Marine Corps fireman Roy Thompson, he was 35, he jumped from Cecil's top floor. He was found on the skylight of a neighboring building, which is just so Ugh. awful. And he had been staying at the Cecil for several weeks. Oh, God. Yeah. It's horrible. May 1939, Navy officer Erwin C. Neblett. See what I mean about all these so people? Many. And it was in a row. It's so just many weird. in a row. That's really yeah. weird. Navy officer Erwin C. Neblett. He was 39 and also very young. Yeah. He was found dead in his room after ingesting poison, which, which is also another thing I noticed happened a lot. Maybe it was during that time. Like the poison deaths? Yeah. 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 Which is like... These are all very tragic things that are happening in the hotel. Like, I, no wonder it's fucking haunted. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. very dark. Yeah. So, in January 1940, teacher Dorothy Skyger, Seeger, I hope I'm, it's S-C-E-I-G-E-R. I think it's Seeger. Yeah, Very Seeger. different. I've never seen that last name before. Me either. 45, ingested poison and was reported by the Los Angeles Times to be, quote, near death. Oh. And there were no further reports published about her condition, so I don't know if she died, I don't oh. know if she lived. I tried, like, looking around, too, and that That's was so that. long ago, yeah. yeah. There probably wasn't much record. Yeah. September 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell, 19, sharing a room with her boyfriend, shoe salesman Ben Levine. He was 38. Purcell was unaware that she was pregnant, and she went into labor. Oh, damn. Yeah. She later testified she did not want to disrupt sleeping Levine. She went into the bathroom and gave birth to a baby boy. I'm sorry. I don't want to wake up my boyfriend, so let me go give birth in the bathroom. I'm screaming in labor pains. I don't want to wake him up. He'll be really upset. Ben, you sleep. You sleep. (laughs) Yeah. So she gave... Well, keep in mind this is 1944. True. <laughs> true. He might have had a shit fit if she woke him up true. when she was having a baby. True. Yeah. True, true. So she thought the baby was dead when she gave birth to him, and she threw him out the window, and he landed on the roof of an adjacent building. How fucked up is that? She thought he was dead? How do you... Why would you just throw this, a baby out the window? I think this girl did not think things through. Yo, but like... I'm not waking up my... My honey bunny because he's sleeping and I'm going to chuck this baby out the window because I think he's dead. Like, you think? And Did even you if, check? And even if he was or wasn't, why would you throw him out a fucking window? Like, why would you chuck it out of a window? I'm sorry, Dorothy Jean, I don't like you. Sorry, that's really <laughs> not okay. Yeah. God. Yeah. So he landed on the roof of an adjacent building and she was charged with murder. As she should. Mm-hmm. And three psychiatrists, and back then they were known as alienists. If anyone hasn't seen the show The Alienist with Dakota Fanning, fucking watch it. It's so good. Um, I haven't. What the hell, Kelsey? <laughs> well, you, you have to watch it. It's so okay. good. Deal. They testified that she was, or yeah, the three psych, the three psychiatrists testified that she was quote mentally confused at the time of the incident. Which, this is the first time I'm not. Deme- Defending a woman back then. Right. But she, yeah, maybe she probably lost a shit ton of blood if she gave birth in the bathroom. Maybe she was confused, but why would you instinctively throw your baby out of a window? I don't just yeah, that's make just, any sense. If anything, have a nice little funeral for the baby who didn't live. Yeah. I mean, like, God, I didn't even get a chance. And then 
her fucking boyfriend's just sleeping through the whole thing. Ben's like, what's that? What's happening? He wakes, he wakes up. up all groggy. Ah. Why are you covered? Why are you covered in blood? Did you cut yourself shaving? No, she probably took a nice, quiet little shower before she curled back up in bed. I know, and then didn't say shit yeah. to Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Awful. So, in January 1945, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Great. Which... If she had a mental illness, I feel very sorry for her. Yeah. But there is no excuse for throwing your baby out the window. No. There's just not. Absolutely not. November 1947, Robert Smith, he was 35, died after jumping from one of the seventh floor windows. <sighs> October 22nd, 1954, San Francisco stationary firm employee Helen Gurney, 55, jumped from the window of a seventh floor room and landed on top of the Cecil's marquee. Oh. So she was just on their sign, which is just awful. I wonder if they got a new marquee. Yeah. One week prior, she had checked in under the name Margaret Brown. Which is also very strange. Again, like, why check check in under an alias? I don't know. Yeah. Weird. February 11th, 1962, Julia Frances Moore, 50, Jumped from the window of her eighth floor room and landed in a second story interior light well. She did not leave a suicide note. Mm. October 12th, 1962. My birthday. Yes. What the fuck? Why why does everybody die on my birthday? Oh my god. October 12th, 1962. 1962. (laughs) Can't talk. Pauline Auten, she was 27. She jumped from the window of her ninth floor room after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. Did she jump, though, Dewey? Did she? Dewey? Did you push her? <laughs> I don't like the name Dewey. Me either. I think that was a nick- was that a nickname. He's probably really sweaty. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> he constantly he's, dabbed his forehead dew. with his kerchief. This <laughs> <laughs> is a sweaty man. And his hair is a little greasy slicked. Ew. <laughs> he had a mustache, too. Yeah. Sorry, Dewey. He had left the room prior to her suicide. According to him, mm-hmm. this is this part is just awful. So Pauline landed on a pedestrian Ugh. in her during her fall. George, George Giannini, he was sixty five, and this killed them both instantly. Like, why did that have to happen? He was just walking by. Least that's like <sighs> that's literally terrible. Yeah, not expecting it at all. So at first, police thought. Uh, Auten and Giannini committed suicide together because there were no witnesses to this. Oh. And it was determined that Giannini had his hands in his pockets at the time of his death, so he was just, like, strolling with his hands in his pockets. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that's really horrible. I could see him in his little, like, suit, probably, like, oh. coming, going or two. 1962. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so he had his hands in his pockets at the time of his death, and he was still wearing his shoes. So they thought that if he had jumped, his shoes probably would have fallen off during the fall or upon impact, and his hands would not have remained in his pockets. Yeah, no, they probably were able to determine, too, like, by the fractures and stuff, like, yeah. how the impact happened. So that's how that... That's Boy, how he died. Yeah. That's terrible. December 20th, 1975... A still unidentified woman, she was approximately 23 years old, she jumped from the 12th floor window onto the Cecil's second floor roof, and she was registered at the hotel on December 16th, so she was there for four days, under the name Allison Lowell, and was staying in room 327. 
Where? So, again, she was under a different name because they they have no idea who she is. Weird. Yeah. There's more. There's fucking more. <laughs> <laughs> and there's actually a ho. There's an episode. Did you watch it on um, Unsolved Mysteries? Where the same type of thing happened where a woman checked into a hotel under a different no. name. And she ended up killing... Well, they think she committed suicide in the hotel or she was murdered and they have no idea who she is because she checked in under a different name wow no i didn't hear that so that was those were pretty far away you know they were in the 60s the 40s the 30s but this is september 1st of 1992 a man was found deceased in the alley behind the cecil Authorities believe that he either fell from, jumped from, or was pushed from the hotel's 15th floor. At the time of his death, he was 5 feet, 9 inches tall, and weighed around 185 pounds. He was wearing blue sweatpants and a black sweatshirt over a gray t-shirt. Los Angeles County Coroner's Office placed his age at 20 to 32 years old. He was never identified, though, unfortunately. So sad. Yeah. June 13th, 2015 which is even getting more recent, the body of a 28-year-old man was found outside of the hotel. Some think that they that he may have committed suicide by jumping from the hotel. A spokesman from the country, uh, the county coroner informed that the Los Angeles Times that the cause of death had not been determined. And that was also very close to Elisa Lam. Right. Case. 2013 Two years apart. 15. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, this is like all so insane. Like how many hotels do you know of where this many people have died so tragically? Mm-hmm. It's very strange. The hotel also had the following as guests, which this part I was like, what the fuck? Richard Ramirez, mm-hmm. AKA the Night Stalker who lived on the top floor of the hotel in 1985 during his killing spree. So he literally lived there while he was murdering people. He was probably sitting in his hotel room picking out victims on the street. Right? Or, uh, like, I don't know. That's just... Yeah, it's disgusting to think about. Oh, and he was so gross. (sighs) His room probably smelled so fucking bad. The rumor was that Ramirez would dump his bloody clothes outside of the hotel... And returned to his room half naked. So but, didn't they think that was strange well, that a half naked so. man was waltzing through the hotel? But I, I read somewhere that at that time, like, there was so much going on at the hotel. And, like, it was just, like, a different time that him walking through the hotel half naked was nothing, like, out of the ordinary. There was so I don't know like, if there oh, was, there's like, just, there's that odd man. Yeah, I don't know if it was, like... There, this was a place to go for people that were on drugs or what, but it was, like, it was not out of the ordinary. I was picturing, I mean, we're going to get into it a little further down, but American mm-hmm. Horror Story, how people would just, like, walk, walk, in, walk in and some of them were on drugs. Yeah. yeah. So, another person that was also staying there was Austrian serial killer Jack Unterweger. Can you say that? Unterweger, Unterweger. Unterweger, okay, yeah. I thought so. Who was also known as the Vienna Strangler also resided at the hotel in 1991 while he was actively killing people. Maybe it's Unterweger. Unterweger. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not making fun of anyone. Well, he's a serial killer, so... (laughs) That's true. Fuck you, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) So, some fun... Those were the people that stayed there that were, you know, known serial killers on top of all of the people that had died tragically in the hotel. Mm -hmm. So, I'm not surprised that it's haunted. But some fun facts about the hotel are... 
This hotel was actually the inspiration for American Horror Stories season Hotel, which Mm -hmm. we mentioned. And I, the entire time, before I even realized that the Cecil, that I was reading about the Cecil and, like, what it was, I pictured American Horror Story. Welcome to the Hotel Mm. California. (laughs) Literally. That's what I pictured. The name of the hotel was changed to Stay on Main and Stay at Home. So it was changed a couple times. I also had read main hotel or something but i only read it in one article so i was yeah, like yeah i read main too yeah investigative journalist jake anderson published a book about the mysterious death of elisa lamb earlier this year called gone at midnight the tragic true story being the unsolved internet sensation i want to read that book because i'm going to talk about it in a little bit like part of an article talking about the book and mm-hmm. it sounds really good yeah it does I've read, I read a little um, clip of it as well. Mm-hmm. A new season of The Ghost Adventures on Discovery Plus, which is a streaming service launching in January, will investigate the Cecil Hotel, which I am fucking pumped yeah, about. Yeah, I am getting Discovery Plus along with every other... Disney Plus, <laughs> Discovery Plus, Hulu, <laughs> Netflix, <laughs> HBO. <Peacock. laughs> we have all of them. It's Amazon problem. Prime. <laughs> We're like, damn it. Why pay for live TV (laughs) when you can have all of your streaming platforms? For the same cost. (laughs) Or more. Probably more. When you add it up, yeah. (laughs) So, this is a little weird fact, but it was discovered that the tuberculosis drug was being studied nearby the Cecil Hotel, and it was brought up that, and this is, the ELISA test is still used today in laboratories as a common laboratory test. But the name that was specifically used to test for the tuberculosis um, study that was being, uh, that was near the Cecil at the time was called LAM ELISA, and it's L-A-M-E-L-I-S-A. So in the medical world, it's pronounced ELISA, but it's spelt like Elisa spelt her name. Yeah, and it's Elisa LAM, which is really weird, and they they never found anything connecting her death to tuberculosis or the study that was going on, but it's just really fucking weird that, like... I thought that was so strange. What are the odds? Yeah, that her exact name was an eventual study that came out of, you know, so that, the weird. area near where she died. I don't like that. Me either. <laughs> so we're going to get on to our theories. We'll make it short and sweet because this has probably been a very long episode. <laughs> yeah. So I, my theory is that she was in a manic state just because of the medications and how everything kind of lined up with her, you know, in the elevator and everything like that. Mm -hmm. I think that she did somehow get onto the roof and jumped into the water tank, possibly to go swimming, possibly to hide from somebody. Mm -hmm. But once she got in, she realized she couldn't get back out. And her taking off her clothes was an attempt to try to get back out. Maybe she was trying to like... Make a rope or something. Yeah. But I wonder, some water tanks, they have the ladder. Right. Or is that just in the movies? Like, do they <laughs> actually have ladders to get out? I don't, she would have probably gotten to it. I don't know. But I also think that somebody else was involved in the situation be- leading up to her death. There was too many issues that suggest that she could have done it on her own. Like, the fact that she would have set off the alarm Right. Um, if she would have gotten onto the roof. Or even if she did do the fire escape route, she would have had to had somebody had showed her where that was and then how to... If I looked at a water tank, 
I wouldn't even know it was a water tank. How would she have known that there was even, like, a giant body of water in there? I don't know. That's yeah, just Yeah, and, and just jumped in. Right. So yeah. I think it was either somebody that was involved with her or something paranormal Yeah. in conjunction with the mania. I mean, for all you know, she could have opened that up and been jumping into, like, friggin' oil or something. Right. Like, like who knows? Like, what... I wouldn't have known what a water tank looked like yeah. on a giant hotel. Yeah. Know? We'll post the pictures of those tanks as well. Yeah. So, I have two possible theories that I lean towards. Okay. So, I'm going to talk a little bit about Clevin McClintock's article discussing Jake Anderson's book and, re- and his views of yeah. the book. He mentions Anderson thinks that, quote, one or more persons, perhaps employed by the Cecil itself as security guards or maintenance workers, took advantage of Lamb's bipolar bipolar behavior and coerced or convinced her to join them on the roof before killing her and dumping her body inside the water tank. This would explain why so many people believe the security footage of Lamb inside the elevator had been tampered with, deliberately slowed down to cover up the fact that small portions of the four-minute tape had been removed, Perhaps because those brief portions showed the body or face of the killer or killers. Mm -hmm. This would explain, this would also explain, sorry, I want to read his words verbatim. Anderson said, why no alarm was ever triggered in the front office when the roof was accessed because someone held the key to turn the alarm off. It also explains why the heavy door to the infamous water tank was closed. See, he even says in his book it was closed. Yeah, it's so I don't know. Something that was impossible for Lamb plunging into the cistern to have accomplished by herself. So I feel like this is a likely scenario. Yeah, I agree. I think it fills the gaps of, like, the questionable details of the case. And that was honestly one of my first thoughts when I heard this story was more more so because of the alarm system and because she wouldn't have known where anything was in that hotel. That maybe it was a security guard or an employee of the hotel. Yeah. And that would also explain them being like, oh, she acted normal. Like, how, like she was why fine. do you just take words for like it? Like, covering for it. Yeah. Them. Yeah. No, I agree. It, that's definitely possible. And they would have known she was by herself if she got moved from a, a room with people to a room by herself. Like, yeah. I don't know. And that would explain why her phone was gone because someone else was involved. Take, took it. Yeah, yeah. To, like, hide their, yeah. the fact that they were... So, my other theory is, as you, like you said, that Mm -hmm. she was having an episode and thought someone was following her, so maybe she was avoiding them. Yeah. Maybe, like, there wasn't even really a person. She was just thinking thinking there was. So, she was avoiding them and made it onto the roof, and she tried to hide in the water tower to hide from them, but this doesn't answer how she could get around the alarm, close the tank door, get into the tank without a ladder... All that stuff. I think no matter what, she was possibly having an episode. Yeah. But I lean more towards the first theory that there was someone involved and maybe it was someone employed there. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, that's just crazy to think that there's no answers and, like, her poor family is probably thinking all these scenarios as well. Yeah. And I lean more towards someone who would have had access to the security footage and could have just deleted things on their own like right. deleted portions of it right and that so. obscured the timestamp, so mm-hmm. the police wouldn't have questioned it mm-hmm. yeah Super but yeah bad. that's it that's the case of elisa lamb yeah. sadly no justice i feel like for her but it's an intense one i saw it first on i think it was id 
Oh, they really? had an episode about it. And it from the minute I saw it, I was like, what the actual fuck? Because mm-hmm. they showed the elevator scene. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy. I just, I feel like I had to know more about it. Yeah. I forget where I first saw it, but it was like right after it happened. Yeah. I don't know if it was a TV show or if it was the news or what, but... Please, please, please look at the video. Yes, you have to. (laughs) If you're listening to this, you have to watch the video. Because it's like, it's insane. And our next case that we're doing next week, I believe, was listener suggested. It is, yeah. So we can't wait to do this one. Yeah, we're excited. And please make sure to continue to subscribe... Give us feedback. Or follow. Yeah, give us feedback. If you have access to a podcasting platform where you can give a rate or a review, we would greatly appreciate it. We hate to, like, beg for it. But But please. Yeah, but please. Because it really helps our podcast to be seen, as we always mention. And as mentioned, I think last episode was when we mentioned the stickers. Yeah, we're going to be giving free stickers away if you... Either rate or put a review on a podcast platform. Just make sure to DM us a screenshot of it just so we can, you know, see that you did it. And we'll um, we'll send you a sticker. Just send us your address as well. It's as simple as that. Yep. Literally, leave a rate or review. Take a picture. Send it to us. Give, Give us, us your address. address. That's and it. you get a free <laughs> sticker. You get a free sticker. And you get a- they're like little... I don't know if we've ever talked about them, but they're three-inch, um, like three-inch round stickers with our... Um, logo on it. Yeah. Called some coffee. They're really cute. Yeah, we like them. Yeah. We have our first guest listener to talk about a spooky story, and it's Mom! Woohoo! <laughs> Hi, Mom! Hi, guys! Thanks We're for joining really us. Excited. <laughs> this is Sarah. Yes. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We're very excited. We've been talking about doing this for a while, but we finally decided that it's time to have somebody on and talk about a spooky experience that they had. Yeah, and I mean, she has plenty of those, but this one actually, and I mean, we've been involved this in this, this whole thing. This affects everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this affects our whole household. Yeah. So, want to get started? Want to just jump into it? Sure, sure. So, um, probably about maybe three or four years ago, mm-hmm. I was asleep in bed, and I, you know, I, I get the same things as my daughter. I kind of get little visits from beyond and stuff, and they've always been around, but... This day was different. I was laying in bed and I literally had a little girl. I could hear it was a little girl. And she basically whispered in my ear, what? And she woke me up and I literally jumped up out of bed and sat up and I was like, who the hell is here? It's like (laughs) three in the morning. Like, why is a child waking me up? My granddaughter's not staying with us. I knew it wasn't her. Um, So I was like, what the hell was that? So, you know, I woke my husband up. I'm like, what the hell? Like, did you just hear that? There's a little girl in the house. And he's like, go back to sleep. You're crazy. <gasps> he's like, yeah. Okay. We've mentioned he's so, a non-believer. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely a non-believer. <laughs> so not. anyway, but it always gets him involved anyway. So um, I mentioned it the next day. And of course, the kids were all teasing me. And like from the other room, you'd hear, what? <laughs> they were trying to like get me all day long. Big jokesters. But, uh, big jokesters in this house. But, um, but uh, you know, we let it go. And... Um, my husband then happened to go to our farrier. We have horses, and he went to go work with the farrier for something. And the farrier said his his uh, girlfriend was with him, and his girlfriend's a psychic. And she said to my husband, "By the way," and this was this was like later on, in you know, a couple, I don't know, maybe probably a couple months later, she said, "By the way, um, you know, there's a little girl that follows you every single time you come here." 
So I don't know why my husband was, you know, he even told me about this because yeah. usually he'd be like non-believer, not telling me. He's like, you know, you know, she told me that there's this little girl that follows me and she's nuts. And I said, she's not nuts. It's probably the little girl. It's the little girl. Probably, girl. Probably, probably was. Probably was. Probably was. So, um, so since then, I've had like three or four psychics. You know, I'll walk into places and they're like, you know, they have a little girl following you, and they all describe her the same exact way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's like from the early 1900s. Um, they say she drowned, you know, on or near my property. She doesn't live in my house. She visits the house. She loves yeah. our family. She loves the property. Yeah. They said they probably happened around here somewhere, which we'll get into that later on. Um, but she did drown, and everyone tells me the same story. And she's this blonde little girl with these little curls, these little ringlets, mm-hmm. and yeah, and she's um, always dressed kind of the same, with usually like a blue bow in her hair, a little blue ribbon. And sometimes she's in her pajamas, sometimes she's in a little dress. So, um, yeah, so she uh, she became like this little household thing now that we all talk about her. Household we all, thing, yeah. yeah. She's like, she's, like, she's just here. It's a little girl, you know. You hear something girl. weird, you know. Bring we stay over, and she'll hear something in the night. A little toy will turn on. She's like, oh my god, it's a little girl. Yeah, I'm like, she please don't bother me. While but I'm it's not like unsettling. Like <laughs> no. she, it's not like oh my god, creepy little ghost kid. Like she's, I feel like she's at peace here and like happy here we've had people tell us that yeah well our medium told us that she like loves our family yeah so she She she, doesn't mean any harm yeah so she attached herself to my husband first that was their first thing then she went to me she attached to me then she attached to my son carson Mm -hmm. who's kelsey's fiance yeah she attached herself to him and now she's attached to bryn and she basically just kind of like, you know, shows up and we, we don't see her. We haven't seen her. I hear her. And sometimes she sends me sense, but I hear her is what, mm-hmm. what happens. And I did hear her. The last time I heard her was probably about maybe, I don't know, three months ago. I haven't heard her. I think she's staying away from COVID. Yeah. She's <laughs> she, she was like, yeah, I don't she's think like, I'm so. going somewhere more fun. <laughs> I don't think so. There were enough, like, plague, enough plagues around when I <laughs> playing around when I was around when I was alive but um so they said that she's from like the early 1900s yeah so then one day we were here and my friend my other son my other son Casey I don't know if Ben's ever mentioned him yet but he was his friend stayed over and he woke up the next morning and he's like is Ava here and that's my granddaughter and uh we were like no why he's like this little girl came to me in the middle of the night with a glass of water, and she's like, "You want to play?" And he's like, "I don't want to play. It's freaking three o'clock in the morning." And he rolled over, <laughs> and so he describes her. We love you. You're probably not yeah. listening on your navy ship. We, we love, love you, Grace. But come on, you so, rolled over and went to bed. So he describes her, and she sounds like the same little girl, right? So we're not really that surprised about it. We're all like, yeah, it's probably a little girl. And everyone, and everyone looks at us like we're crazy He's probably time. like shitty we're, bricks. Like, yeah. oh my God, I just saw a ghost child. <laughs> Everybody else is except for us. Yeah. But um, so anyway, so Brynn went online and looked. She's like, she was in this like little white nightgown thing, you know. So Brynn, you know, the thing that she is. She goes a sleuth. She goes, <laughs> she goes online and she looks up like different nightgowns from different like eras, eras yeah. like 1800s night so she shows him a bunch of different ones not telling him anything and he picks out the one from, from the 19- early 1900s yeah and that's what so, we've had people tell us that she was yeah from. yeah so then um um our psychic we go to this psychic her name is laura Safaldi. hi laura She's she awesome. is awesome she's like amazing amazing she's it's, she's in uh in totowa new jersey mm-hmm. and she is phenomenal 
So, like, she's become our best friend. <laughs> we love her. We love Laura. So she came out here to the property a couple times, and she actually, this was before she knew about her, and she was like, oh, my God, there's a little girl, like, running around your yard. She's right there. She's in the backyard here. She describes her, you know, whatever. Yeah. So a couple times she's come out, she's seen her here. So then we were, like, very, very intrigued about her. And we went to see Laura, and we were asking, you know, I, I actually, before I went to see Laura, asked her to come through, and sure enough, you know, not mentioning it to Laura, she came through at that at that meeting, and um, she started to talk a little bit, and she said, we will find her, that we're going to find her. Yeah, she said I would know where she was buried. Yeah. Yeah, so she said she's under a big oak tree. So Bryn and I were, there was this, there's this really, really, really old um, cemetery, cemetery, super old. So Bryn and I were thinking, well, maybe she's in there, so let's go over there. So we went over there. And we walked around, and both of us did not feel anything in that cemetery. Well, Do you remember the some... day we went, though? We were, like, scouring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were like, <laughs> like, looking at every stone. We are like, nope, this one's a boy. <laughs> that cemetery has always drawn me in for some reason, but it's not her. Not it's, for yeah. her. It must be someone else. Yeah. Like, yeah. So Laura said it's definitely an oak tray. Like, she's buried under an oak tray. And you're gonna find her. You're definitely gonna find her. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, maybe that's where it is. Maybe that's where it is. So we went, didn't feel anything. No. On the way back, we're driving back, and Bryn looks at me. She goes, oh my God. And I'm some, I said, what? She goes, you know that tree that always intrigued me since I was a little girl? We have this big, beautiful, old, I mean, old tree in our it backyard. Looks literally. It always reminded me of almost a witchy tree. It's like very it's curvy. Yeah, it's yeah. like. It has so many branches. It's so big. It's like eerie looking, but in a beautiful way. Yeah. I don't. It has a lot of character. Yeah. It really does. It's a be- and it's weird because it's on. We, we live on ten acres of property. It's it's not even like in a really like an area where it's like open where you'd see and find this tree. It's it's in the woods and, and we back. yeah and we found it um you know a while back and it's always intrigued Bryn. So Bryn's like. I wonder if that's the tree. Look, I I've wonder what kind been, of tree it is. We didn't even know. I've always so. been drawn there and didn't even know why. And it was, yeah, like, it yeah. wasn't her all along. That's basically So we walk back there. And um, sure enough, it's the only oak tree on my property, believe it or not. The only oak tree on our property. Crazy. So we were like, yeah, this is nuts, you know, right? I was like, this is it. This 100%. is it. 100%. So we... we we both walked up to it, and we, you know, you can, you, you can, when, when you're like us, you can kind of feel. I actually am not as strong as my daughter, but I do. I get stronger when I'm around people who who like have this gift. Yes, yeah, so I feed completely off of them. So I walked up and I touched the tree, and I literally heard in my in my I literally I'm getting shivers right now, chills. <laughs> I heard in my head, "I am here." Like I literally heard uh, those words, "I am here." In her little voice, in my head, I was like, "Oh my god!" She's I'm, like, I'm "You totally, found me." Yeah, right now, look at me, goosebumpy, goosebumpy all over. So and Bryn started that song. You found me. Remember you yeah, started hearing yeah, that? I and that, that. Yeah, yeah. You, she started you hearing. Found me. You found me. Oh, my God. Lost mm-hmm. the name. She yeah. started immediately hearing that in her so voice. Cute. So we're like, oh, my God, this has got to be the tree. This mm-hmm. has to be it. So, you know, someone's like, are oh, you going to dig it up? I'm like, I'm not going to dig up some little girl. Like, I'm not yeah. going to do it. I My plan is to um, is to clean up, you know, around that area and plant some daffodils and stuff because the deer won't eat those and make a little <laughs> memorial to her. But in the meantime, Laura since has come back. 
And we actually walked her back there. Yeah. And as soon as she saw the tree, she said, oh, my God, this is it. You found her. This is definitely it. Mm-hmm. She said, I can see there's a little swing. I actually went out and bought the swing. I bought it for, quote, she unquote, told, my granddaughter. But yeah, she but actually bought girl. it for her. Yeah, she told me to swing on the swing. Yeah. Because more, like, more she might talk to, to me more through what she loved to do. Yeah. On but yeah, Laura, yeah. Laura walked back there and immediately she was like, this is it. Mm-hmm. She's here. I know it. She's buried here. And so I bought the little FAO sports swing this this Christmas for my granddaughter, quote unquote, my granddaughter. Not really. <laughs> granddaughter it's her Slash. It's her Slash little girl. Like Ava, I love. Look, we Ava, swing. share with your little imaginary friend that's not imaginary. <laughs> so um, so anyway, that's, you know, we, we bought it and we're going to see what happens this spring. We'll go back there and we'll clean it all out. We'll hang the swing and we'll let Bryn... Swing on it and see what happens. Watch the rope snap. Oh my god. She's like, get the fuck out. Oh my goodness. Not that little girl. No. How cool is that? Yeah. And then she did say, she did say that she loves our horses. And it's very, very odd because I, um, had my, my very, 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 very favorite, like, my soulmate horse died recently. Yeah. And, um, he died last October, actually. On your birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll never forget I'll never forget them. It's, all our animals die on your birthday, on birthdays. I don't know why. But anyway, um, I did, she did say she's attached to the horse, and it's very weird because I don't know where I saw it. I don't know if I saw it in my head. I don't know if I really saw it. I can't. It's very odd when you have this gift. You don't know how you see it. But I actually saw her walking on my property exactly as I described with my horse, like, nuzzling, pushing her behind, like, playing Aww. with her hair, like, playing with her on the property so i know that phoenix she's there is here with, with her yeah. Yeah. yeah and she's probably taking care of him and he's I'm taking sure. care of her so i feel a lot better with about all your that. animals that are uh, here yeah <laughs> but that's our little girl we're not sure what her name is we've yeah. got we love different... her yeah we do love she's her she's so sweet <laughs> she'll probably visit us tonight after we talked about everyone her. listening <laughs> is probably like what the fuck yeah, like, okay. what the hell's wrong with this, this the last family? episode i'm listening to <laughs> this is a crazy we're just family. open yeah so that's not really spooky but it's it's different, yeah, because she's I not spooky. It's spooky to some people. Like when people come in and they, I tell them as a little girl, they have, they're like, no, I'm not coming <laughs> in your house. You yeah. know? My one son's real freaked out yeah. by it. He will not. Anytime we bring it up, he's like, don't even talk about her. Yeah. Don't even talk about her. Yeah, anytime <laughs> Laura comes here, he's like, I'm going out, and he goes out for like hours, and they'll come back when she's gone. He's like really freaked out by yeah. it, but. Um, and but ironically, she's not yeah, no, she's not. Mm-hmm. She's not. She's not at all. No. She's very. She, sweet. I mean, the one night she did kind of scare our cousin Brian. Oh my god! And I was like, I had shut to up, say, Brian. I well, shut up, Brian. He went, shut up, Brian. <laughs> I whispered up. Brian went upstairs, and I whispered to her like out loud because I didn't want Brian to think I was insane. Yeah. Even though I know he wouldn't love you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I whispered to her, "Okay, you're scaring him. Please stop," because. It had been Ava's birthday, and we were Brian and I were sitting downstairs, and the, the one of Ava's birthday balloons went across the room, stopped, went straight, stopped, <laughs> went another way, stopped like a like someone walking with a balloon. Yeah. yeah, like it was not blowing the way a a draft would yeah. make a balloon. Yeah. Blow. it was like going one way, stopping another. And Brian turned and he's like, "What is that?" <laughs> Just a little girl. Yeah, just a little. It's just fine. a little girl. She's fine. She's, fine. She's yeah. fine. She's cool. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed the first story. Yeah. Thanks, story. mom, for coming Thank on. Thank you, mom. You're welcome. You thanks fun. for having me. It was yeah. fun. Yeah, I'm sure she'll be on with many others because she has. There's tons lots of, of things to talk spooky about. Stories. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Until next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.
For more information regarding this case and our resources, follow us at Crime Cults and Coffee on Instagram and Facebook.